Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up. In darkness, from the ones who walk in light. Light 'em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday, February the 3rd, 2004. What a week. Janet Jackson's breast is in the news. One more weapon of mass distraction. Exposed, she was. Exposed on stage, on TV, for all the world to see, of course. Now, there was a nipple shield. Apparently, this, this we are told, is one more indication uh, of the... Uh, the depths to which we have sunk, how our culture has become utterly vulgar, yes. Don't you think it's curious, um, if you think carefully, uh, think through history, what kind of culture is it that believes a woman's breast is obscene? Lenny Bruce used to rave on this subject, of course. He knew that it is only in a death culture that the source of life is taboo. Uh, eh, the dirty little secret, yes. The secret is that we are only a human. We live in bodies. We are dependent on a mother, both literally and metaphorically, for our nourishment for life itself. Uh, oh, boy, what a bunch of sickos, yes. Tell it to the governor. Tell him about life. Tell Arnie. Conan the Barbarian. Conan, yes, he won't even give Kevin Cooper a clemency hearing. Uh, Kevin Cooper is scheduled uh, to die this time next week, this next Tuesday. Uh, I think it's a first to deny a clemency hearing. I'm not sure about that, but I hear that this is uh, uh, usually uh, part of the procedure. And never mind a pardon or a sentence of life without parole. The governor won't even give this guy uh, uh, his moment. Uh, this prisoner is just being ignored. Twenty years since the crime was committed. Overwhelming evidence of a miscarriage of justice. And all the usual suspects. Yes, Arnie is apparently too busy to give this matter his personal attention. He's delegated. Yes, a <laughs> great executive knows when to delegate. I looked up um, a piece by Adam Green. Uh, no, no, no. This one is by Hendrik Hertzberg. Hendrik Hertzberg, my favorite New Yorker writer, wrote an article back in September of 2003 about Arnie. Arnold Schwarzenegger, yes. Uh, title was Strong Man. Not even the strong man, just strong man, what is called in some circles an Obermensch. 
Yes, his wife, Maria, the uber winch. Um, <laughs> interesting. Here's what uh, Hertzberger writes. He says, in the Pumping Iron series, you remember that's the bodybuilding shtick, uh, Arnold back in the days when uh, he looked like, well, what was it? Molly Ivins described Arnold. She said that he looked like a condom stuffed with walnuts. Oh. Uh, Molly Ivins herself, yes, she said that. Anyway, Harrisburg uh, says that in the Pumping Iron series, uh, which chronicles events leading up to and including the Mr. Olympia contest of 1975, there are intimations that Schwarzenegger's ultimate goal, absurd as it would have seemed at the time, was power. <laughs> Quote, I was always dreaming about very powerful people dictators and things like that, unquote. That's Arnie uh, in a soliloquy uh, at one point in the original film, Pumping Iron. He says, uh, again, a quote, I was just always impressed by people who could be remembered for hundreds of years or even like Jesus being for thousands of years remembered, unquote. In another film called Raw Iron, he recounts another dream. Quote, Me being a king and standing on top of a mountain, and there was no room left for anybody else up there, okay, just for me. Unquote. Ah, you will find that in the September 29th issue of the New Yorker magazine, 2003. Oh, dear me. Strongman is the name of the article, if you want to uh, look it up. I uh, cringe thinking that we all know this desire for power for its own sake is what drives the authoritarian personality, uh, the tyrant, even, even this charming one. Yes, all kinds of styles. The point, though is that control is their tactic. I wonder if anybody is still confused. I know any number of people who voted for Arnie because he's cute. Now, the other kind of leader, uh, the liberator, the guy who believes in liberty or the woman who liberates, uh, this is the person who wants to expand human freedom to ensure human rights. Uh, for such people, power is a means to that end is a chance to free others, give them the power to change their lives, you know, spread the freedom around. There's a uh, film coming. I digress. Let's see. It's called Iron Jawed Angels. Unfortunate title. Hilary Swank. It's coming up, I think, the 15th of the month. It's about the women suffragists, the women who did try to liberate their sex. Uh Give them the vote. Uh, 1912, I think it's set in Angelica Houston. It's coming to HBO. You might want to check it out. Uh, in the meantime, I suggest that you call the governor. Call Arnie. Um, let's see, what is his phone number? His phone number is 916-445-2841. I will repeat, you can call, actually. You might call Maria Shriver, his good wife. The Uber Wench. You might leave her a message uh, asking her to try to uh, 
reach Arnie on his mountaintop. Yes, where he is there all alone, as he says, and remind him that he is not alone, that he is now responsible for others, responsible for maintaining justice, and uh, that as a uh, governor of the state, he should remember that no man's life can be thrown away without due process. Once again, the number in Sacramento is 916-445-2841. You know you can get that number just by calling information you want to... The um, governor's number, right, uh, Maria's number is listed as the same. I don't know. I thought perhaps she had a separate line, but she doesn't. Um, who are we kidding, folks? I I guess it can't hurt. It's kind of like brushing your teeth and, um, you know, casting your vote um, from time to time. It might help. So uh, go ahead and send him a message. Uh, I keep thinking... It's important to keep the faith. Uh, what is that wonderful phrase? Yes, pessimism of the intellect, but optimism of the will. Because as Fats Waller used to say, one never know, do one. Sometimes things do change, folks. Sometimes they do. I needed something to cheer me up this week, and I found a piece in the New Yorker. For October the 13th, 2003, that knocked my socks off. It's all about a shrink uh, that I have read at. I, I'm not really an expert on this guy. His name is Albert Ellis, and he's 90 years old. And the New Yorker, <laughs> the New Yorker, uh, it's the article by Adam Green, right? Adam Green's piece in the 13 October New Yorker uh, tells all about this guy's 90th birthday party. This is the guy who believes, quote, that all humans are out of their effing minds, every single one of them. I thought, that's Arnie, that's me, that's most of the people I know, yes. Um, actually, this guy, um, Albert Ellis, tends to use four-letter words. I will have to use the first letter, uh, speaking euphemistically. Thank goodness the New Yorker doesn't bother with such niceties. Um, yes. Uh, Al is the guy who says all humans are out of their effing minds, every single one of them. Uh, now, he's been designated the second most influential psychotherapist of the 20th century. This comes to us from the American Psychological Association. Uh, in case you didn't know, Albert Ellis is the founder of something called the Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy Group, REBT, R-E-B-T. He's written more than 70 books. Uh, he's even written two during the last year. Uh, let's see. His books include Sex Without Guilt, Sex and the Liberated Man, The Case for Promiscuity, and this is my favorite, How to Stubbornly Refuse to Make Yourself Miserable About Anything. Yes, anything. Now, Al Ellis started out as a psychoanalyst back in 1947, but... Pretty soon, he decided that exploring his patient's childhood traumas had uh, what he he says is uh, nothing to do with the price of spinach. Correct, yes. Oh, I remember in those days we used to say, if you could figure out why you fell off your hobby horse, you know, you could solve your life's problems. Obviously, he got to the end of that rope. Um, Adam Green goes on to say that by the mid-50s, Ellis had devised his own method. 
based on the premise set forth by the Stoic philosopher Epictetus, that would be the Epicureans. You remember the sect called the Epicureans back in the days of uh, classic Greece. Anyway, he, he decided that people are disturbed not by what happens to them, but by their view of what happens to them. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I got quoted in a little random house uh, book of quotes, let's see, the other day, um, uh, for saying, we see things not as they are, but as we are. And I think I've used that a hundred times, and I probably, I don't know if I got it from Ellis, I probably got it from my father, who knows. But I think it's an idea that's been around since the Greeks. It's just this notion that we're the filter, folks. Uh, yes, um, it's not what's happening, it's how you feel about it. Um, uh, <laughs> tell it to somebody looking at the death penalty, right. Anyway, uh, this is the point in the article at which he's quoted as saying that all human beings are out of their effing minds, every single one of them. And, uh, you know, they just need to uh, see things differently. Okay, the party at the Albert Ellis Institute... Uh, let's see, there were about 200 human beings at this party. It's on East 65th Street, and there were workshops and symposiums and a catered shindig. Uh, Nicole Kidman turned up. Yes, her father, Tony, is a uh, uh, big follower of uh, Ellis. There's a description here of Al. Al Ellis is thin and bird-like with a prominent nose. He wears large black framed glasses. His voice is high and nasal. And when he gets excited, it swoops from a goosey honk to a gullish shriek. Oh, footnote here. I know this guy. We know this guy. Uh, a gastrointestinal infection almost killed him last year. But he seems in fine form now. Throughout the day, throughout his birthday, he held forth on a range of topics. Ah, first, tolerance, right, he says, quote, I don't damn any person, including Stalin, Hitler, and President Bush. Um, self-esteem, he says, self-esteem is the worst sickness known to man or woman because it says, I did well, therefore I am good which means that when I do badly, back to S-hood for me. <laughs> I take his point, yes. Uh, how to love yourself, even when you're a damn fool, that's the trick. Uh, what did he say about aging? None of us can change the fact that we are going to get older and die too effing bad. Ellis spoke about the, quote, bad things, unquote, that happened to him during his childhood in the Bronx, and about how they led to his early experiments in rational thinking. Rational, I guess. During a ten-month hospitalization for nephritis, which he got when he was four and a half, he eased his anxiety and loneliness by telling himself, if I die, I die. F it. It's not the end of the world. Hmm. I remember when I was about, well, not when I was four, when I was a teenager, I remember reading Ayn Rand. And she uh, put forth the notion that uh, death is the end of the world. The world ends, you see, at, at death. And I thought, what a totally peculiar um, 
notion. Uh, obviously, she has been misinformed. Uh, that's odd, but of course, if you're a megalomaniac, you think that you take the world with you when you die. Anyway, uh, Albert Ellis figured out that uh, if you cease to be, the world will continue without you. Anyway, when he was five, his parents found him naked with their neighbor's five-year-old daughter, playing a clever game with a funnel and a bottle of milk. Ellis said, quote, That was my first great heterosexual love. A little beauty, a blonde bombshell. But then her parents moved away and wouldn't even tell us where they were moving. So for a while, I was a very depressed child. I was still able to use the coping statement. There will be other women, and I can always have good times with them. At 19, Ellis tried an experiment to conquer his fear of rejection. He hung around the Bronx Botanical Garden, and whenever he saw a girl on her own, he forced himself to start a conversation. Quote, I got to be one of the best picker-uppers of women in the United States, and finally started making it with them. A lot. <laughs> I was thinking that this philosophy of life for me was best illustrated or portrayed by um, the character Zorba in the film Zorba the Greek. I remember, yes, when all all else failed, uh, there was always the lamb for dinner. Let's see, who was that? Uh, Anthony Quinn played Zorba. And they had cooked up some scheme to um, uh, make money, some kind of logging scheme. Anyway, the whole thing came crashing down. Um, everything was wrecked and ruined, and suddenly a little light goes off in his mind, and he says, oops, you know, the lamb will burn, and he runs over to get what's left of uh, the dinner. Yes, there's always uh, a silver lining, so to speak. Um, I think that that kind of philosophy is common to most sensible people. I don't know why some of these experts and professionals take so long to figure it out. You know, what your mother, uh, any woman in any village, as Gertrude Stein would say, can tell you, uh, these guys turn it into a philosophy or a doctrine. Anyway, during the evening, the birthday party evening, the 90th birthday of this guy, Albert Ellis, um, the shrinks drank white wine and they talked shop and they talked about... Ellis's contributions to the um, profession, to psychiatry, of course. Um, the consensus was that his ideas and his technique of confronting clients with their irrational thoughts gave birth to the cognitive behavioral approach that dominates psychotherapy today. Gee, I was thinking that it was, you know, that that was what we did at the actor's studio. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Giving giving people a, a psychic jolt, you know, to scare them into being real. Anyway, uh, one of the psychologists says, uh, he recognized that we're all fallible, which is something I try to communicate to my clients. Yes, indeed. Um, although I don't think it's necessary to tell them that they're effing fallible. <laughs> Once again, a professional is the sort of person who never drops the script and doesn't use uh, four-letter words. Ellis uh, took his ease up in his office there with the people around. Uh, 
receiving well-wishers. He's described as um, dressing in burgundy silk shirt, gray pants, thin black socks. He has an assistant, an energetic blonde research fellow named Debbie Joffe. She's from Australia. (laughs) I guess this is another one of his uh, uh, blonde bombshells. She repeats whatever anyone says into a wireless amplifier that beams directly into his hearing aid. (laughs) One woman there told him he should learn how to read lips. Yes, get on it. Someone else mentioned that in the off-Broadway play Trumbo, that would be the one about Dalton Trumbo, Ellis is referred to as, quote, the greatest humanitarian since Gandhi. In both cases, Al Ellis smiled and said, Could be. And there's a description here of Nicole Kidman in a low-cut black number and sling-back heels with her father, Tony, an Ellis disciple. Kidman said to him, You look wonderful. Debbie says slowly in a loud voice, She says you look wonderful, Al. Thanks, said Ellis. You look okay, too. How's that for witty repartee? Oh, <laughs> anyway, later, he's draped in a uh, white scarf that had been blessed by the Dalai Lama, and there were congratulatory messages. There's a list here of all the people who sent messages to this guy, uh, Clinton's. Um, oh, someone read an email from President Bush. They handed the printout to Ellis, who glanced at it and let it drop to the floor. A number of toasts, uh, one from Janet Wolf. This is the woman who lived with Ellis in an open relationship for 37 years. She moved out last year. <laughs> she called him a closet minch, but obviously, yes, my own footnote here. I guess at 90, when he can't hear a word you're saying, you know, it is time to move on after 37 years. What is an open relationship anyway? Someone someday uh, needs to define that. Uh, Since nearly dying last year, Ellis has written two more books and he has been collecting uh, thousands of articles uh, for he's researching a new book. He says he's collecting thousands of articles about how stupid people are. His book is tentatively titled A History of the Dark Ages, the 21st Century. And he continues to refuse to make himself miserable about anything. Yes, anything. (laughs) I was arguing with my younger son the other day. Oh, well, just chatting. And um, uh, we were trying to figure out who was not stupid, and I guess the first name that came to my mind was Jane Goodall, and I got some flack for that, I guess, uh, not from Peter, but it's interesting, think about it, and uh, if you can can decide, uh, I know any number of people who are not stupid, Uh, old Al Einstein had a great line, he used to say, two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity, and I'm not sure about the universe, Uh, I think that The number of not-so-stupid people is increasing. But uh, since, of course, things are moving so fast, we don't know if if that will do the job. Uh, 
Anyway, this closet mensch, Janet Wolfe says that uh, Ellis is a closet mensch, uh, does say that he would like to have a romantic partner. She's let him down, I guess. And that he would prefer that other therapists would not pass off his ideas as their own. But he said, I don't get angry or upset or depressed about it because that's the human condition. It's too damn bad. Ellis bears no grudge toward the man who beat him out for the top spot on the American Psychiatric Association's influential psychotherapist list. That would be Carl Rogers. But he had no kind words for the bigot who came in third. And you know who that was, don't you? Siggy, Sigmund Freud, Ellis says. Freud was out of his effing mind. He was as nutty as could be. That is the end of the article by Adam and Adam Green in the New Yorker for October 13th, 2003. I would always um, add that uh, I thought that Sigmund Freud was a fascinating poet, a uh, metaphysician. He was not as good at the fairy tales, charms, and dreams as Carl Jung. But Freud was the best example of what we call that, solipsisms, yes. His own view of the world um, he took to be the universal view and his own feelings uh, he took to be the norm. This is a fascinating uh, quality that human beings have. We see things not as they are, but as we are indeed. Uh, once again... This guy is the second most influential psychotherapist of the 20th century, and he's just turned 90. We wish him a very, very happy birthday, and I would remind you all that uh, Thursday we're beginning a fundraising marathon here, and I want you to help us out and subscribe to KPFA. I will have a premium travel book um, about an older woman who just takes off and goes around the world. Um, Pacifica Radio is still a voice crying in the wilderness, folks. Uh, it may be true that progressives don't win too many of these battles lately, but we change the world. We color things. We, uh, we stain the society. The vision that, uh, men and women have of things is altered when we speak up. Uh, <laughs> of course, you may think that we wear rose-colored glasses or some people tell me we are blinded by the blood of the innocent. Oh, I said, yes, indeed. I, I do find it hard to see through that sea of, of uh, blood, any way you call it. We're part of the picture, and we need to expand our, uh, our influence. The best of us try to participate joyfully in the sorrows of the world. Yes, remembering always that good is done in minute particulars, every little bit. Remind the governor of that. Uh, give him a call and tell him that it is worth his time, it is worth the effort to give uh, Kevin Cooper a clemency hearing and to sit down and study the evidence. You can call the governor at 916-445-2841. Uh, tell him that uh, it never hurts that the devil is in the details and it wouldn't hurt a bit for him to uh, give his attention to one man. Uh, oh, yes. If one teaches one, if each one holds out a hand to someone, it all adds up. 
You know what that's all about. Separation is where the bad stuff begins. Alienation is what evil means. It all begins in the cradle, folks, from the dysfunctional family to the dysfunctional state to these family feuds that get out of hand and then we call them wars. Uh, all our best work is done when we can cooperate and come together. Evolution depended on our working together like the fingers of a hand. Let's get with it. I'll be on the air, uh, not this Thursday morning, but next Tuesday at 3.30. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Walk in light, light em up, boys. There's your picture, drop the shadow, out of sight. After two years on the road to recovery, KPFA sets out on 2004 with great expectations for the year ahead. To help us meet those expectations, you can volunteer your time answering phones during our upcoming fund drive, which starts Thursday, February 5th, and ends on Thursday, February 19th. KPFA has fund drives four times a year, and volunteering is a great way to get involved with the station community. To sign up as a phone volunteer, call 510-848-6767, extension 618. That's 510-848-6767, extension 618. One, two, three, four. Y'all ready for this? 